श्री श्री गौर नित्यानंद की जय गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जय श्री भक्ति विदांत स्वामी प्रभुपाद की जय भक्ति रक्षक श्रीदेव गोस्वामी महाराज की जय श्रीमद भागवत गीता की जय श्री श्री कृष्ण अर्जुन की जय गो भक्तविंद की जय प्रेमानंदी Tonight we'll discuss from Bhagavad Gita. This is the eve before the completion of my manuscript, the Bhagavad Gita. It's feeling and philosophy. I hope to complete it tomorrow morning on the appearance day of Advaita Charya, who has a significant role in the dissemination of the teachings from Bhagavad Gita and Chaitanya Lila. But tonight we'll discuss the conclusion of Bhagavad Gita, and maybe we'll just read a little bit from the manuscript also. Actually, Bhagavad Gita. Is completed in verse 63. Itite gyanamakhyatam guyad guyataram maya vimrishaitad asheshena itechasitatakuru. It's not religious dogma that Krishna asks Arjuna to swallow without thinking about, without considering. He's laid considerable emphasis on scripture in chapter 16 and 17 as well, where he discusses faith. That faith must arise out of deliberation on the import of Scripture, for it to be of a spiritual quality, of a quality that actually has the power to transform us, change us from material consciousness to spiritual consciousness. And in those chapters, in effect, he seeks to demonstrate that the whole of the Bhagavad Gita, his message here, which of course we accept as part of the scriptural canon, but in the context of the discussion, he seeks to demonstrate that my discussion, my instructions to you, Arjun, are supported by the entire scriptural. Canon, so he stresses the importance of that. And although that's of paramount importance, it should not be misunderstood what the scripture is, such that it's taken as some religious dogma that we have to accept, and that in relation with which our reason has no application. In reality, there's much scope for using our reason. The scripture calls on us. To do so, even here later in Gita, Krishna says that uh, who studies this conversation worships me by jnana yogena, by the sacrifice of knowledge, propagated by his intelligence. Vedanta Sutra is perhaps the best example of seeking to use reason and logic in relation to the scripture to show the concordance of the whole body of the scripture. So here, in a way, Arjuna is told by Krishna. So I've given you the message, Iti. Thus, so I've said it all. But I leave it to you now to deliberate on what I've said, to think about it, reflect upon it. We sometimes hear Guru Sadhu Shastra. Everything must be in conformance with Guru Sadhu Shastra. Guru Mukha Padma Vokya. Chitete Kuriyakya. So there's another element that's involved. Guru Sadhu Shastra and one's own heart. So how it reflects on the heart, how the heart responds to that, that's important. In other words, the scripture is not merely a body of fixed laws that we are to wield to beat people into submission. In fact, within parameters that the scripture lays down, we are to find room in the scripture to accommodate the hearts of people in terms of their desire to serve God. Bhagavad Gita is a whole discourse on comparative religion. Krishna has woven his message through so many different curves in the religious road. And now here he's coming to the conclusion. He's going to speak further, but this is the beginning of the conclusion. He actually stops here for a minute and tells Arjuna to think about it, reflect on it. Prabhupada used to compare the scripture to law books, so we hear that we think it's a law. Therefore, whatever it says, 
we have to do, but what does it say? That's to be determined in terms of time and circumstance. Individual is taken into consideration. If we're to use that analogy, just like the law books, there are so many books of law, but what they mean, how they apply in any given circumstance, that's up to the lawyer to make his case and for the judge to determine. So they're more of a supple body of laws and principles than they are something that's so hard and fast, and especially this is the case when we come to eligibility for bhakti, adhikar for bhakti. And within that, when we come to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's conception of bhakti, it's very broad and very accommodating, very heartening. So at any rate, my point is that Krishna is not just beating Arjuna over the head with this. He says, so now you think about it. Come to a decision. Reflect on it. What does it mean to you, what I've said? However, having said that, Krishna's love for Arjuna pours out from his heart here. He hesitates for a moment. He pauses. We can't wait for Arjuna to reply, although it's not possible for Arjuna to reply such that he's unwilling to follow Krishna. Krishna almost doesn't want to give him the chance to do so. This is how bhakti, we find this especially in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission, comes so close to infringing upon the free will of the jiva, not in a forceful way, but by the extreme overflow of affection pouring from the heart of the Lord. Sridharmarsh had his listeners, students, compile a book, Actually, he didn't command it or order it, but the idea came. Sudhir Goswami Maharaj was there staying at the Mat, Shishitana Saraswat Mat, and collecting the recorded words of Sridhar Maharaj. You may know Kinchin Krishnadas Babaji Maharaj of him or have met him. Years ago, before our Prabhupada ever left the world, Sudhir Goswami Maharaj, my godbrother, and Bhakti Abhinarayan Maharaj, another godbrother of mine, had gone in search of Krishnadas Babaji Maharaj to record his kirtan. He was famous for his kirtan. And so they were in Mayapur at the time. And they heard he was at such and such mat. And they went there. And it happened to be the Chichitana Saraswat mat, where he would frequent. And sure enough, there he was, sitting before the deity, Radhagovinda Sundar and Mahaprabhu, chanting various shlokas in praise of the holy name. And so they came upon him and paid respects and turned on the tape recorder to hear him chant. And he said, what is that? This is not the teaching. The teaching is not that you record me to chant. The teaching is you should chant. So they were charmed by his logic. And then he said, but if you want to record something, come with me. And he took them upstairs onto the veranda where Shudamash was seated and he said, record whatever he says. <laughs> so actually, Sudhir Goswami Marsh had an instruction to do that quite some time before it ever happened many years later after Prabhupada disappeared in the late 70s and early 80s. He was staying long periods of time at the Mott there and he was recording Sridhar Marsh's classic talks. And after some time, he mustered up the courage to make a proposal to Sridhar Marsh that he would take those recordings and turn them into a book. And Sridhar Marsh was very much the kind of a person that wanted to stay in the background. That was his nature. Sometimes he was criticized for it, but it's actually a very good quality. And he said once, I heard him say once, that from his very youth, he was very uncomfortable if anyone would praise him in any way. It made him 
very uncomfortable. So it was natural and inborn within him. But anyway, as Sudhir Goswami Maharaj started to present what he wanted to do, I've got your recordings of your talks, so many of them, and I was thinking that I would put them together, and Sridhar Maharaj then said, and make a book. That is your idea. You want to make a book. So he started to talk about it and so forth, and he gave the name Search for Sri Krishna, Reality the Beautiful. So that first book was made. Sometime later, as these bookmaking was going on from his talks, then well, each time it came to him what a book would be made, another book would be made, and a title would be asked for. So at one point he said, we have made the book Search for Sri Krishna, Reality the Beautiful. This is the devotee searching for Krishna. But there should be a book in which Krishna searches for the devotee, loving search for the lost servant. Some of you may have read that book. It's a very beautiful and charming book. And this comes to mind tonight when we come to this section of Bhagavad Gita because Krishna has given Arjuna a chance to respond, but he'll speak again before Arjuna could say anything. Krishna couldn't bear the risk that he might say, no, I don't want to be your devotee, which is the message of Bhagavad Gita. I don't want to fight. Not fight. Fighting is merely the medium of surrender and service. Krishna had something to do left. This Krishna, Devaki Nandan Krishna, Dwarkesh Krishna, he is the bringer of Dharma. As you know, in the Braj, Krishna is just playing. But outside of the Braj, he's establishing the Dharma. He's come to annihilate the miscreants, paritanaya sadhanam vinashayachaduskritam, give solace to the devotees, establish Dharma. So, of course, that's what this battle of Kurukshetra is all about. So Krishna has some work left. At this point in Krishna Lila, Krishna is quite old, and he's killed quite a few demons. After killing Dantavakra at Natura, he put his weapons down. Krishna does, he killed Vidurata and Dantavakra in that area. That means coming from Dwarka to Mathura, and coming to Mathura, Krishna's coming home. Right across the, the way is the Vrindavan and all the devotees waiting for him for so long, for so many years in separation, and never for a moment giving up their love for him because he hasn't come back, and he knows all of this. So he goes back to Vrindavan. He takes all the devotees, and they enter the Prakat, Aprakat Lila, the unmanifest Nitya Lila. And then his expansion, Devakinandan Krishna, Dwarakesh Krishna, returns to the scene to finish up his work of establishing Dharma. But he's got no weapons now. After all, what does he have to fight for anymore? Why Krishna went to Mathura? And why he went to Dwarka? What's the reason for that? Yes, to annihilate the miscreants, but more to mitigate the pain of separation of his devotees, to to protect the devotees. If Krishna had not gone to Mathura and from there on to Dwarka and fought with Jarasandha and so many demons, what if Jarasandha had come storming into Vrindavan looking for him with his armies? What would have become of all the village people there, the cowherds? They didn't have any weapons. They weren't Kshatriyas to defend themselves. <laughs> so Krishna is, in his expansion, establishing Dharma, annihilating the miscreants. He's protecting his devotees in the Braj. 
And in the context of protecting them, there's some separation. That separation has to come to an end. If it doesn't, who believe in Krishna consciousness? <laughs> we read the Bhagavatam superficially. We don't stop to think. And Krishna in 11th canto winds up his leela and arranges for the whole Yadu dynasty to annihilate themselves and go back to the Nitya Leela. You've read it, contemplated it, but it ever come to your mind, you ever stop to think, what happened to the people of Braj? Krishna promised them he would come back. He didn't. The Goswamis could not tolerate this kind of superficial understanding. If they found, drew out from the scripture the evidence from Bhagavatam, Krishna returned to Vrindavan, collected them all up, took them into the Aprakat Leela. Now Krishna returning, his expansion, but it's not that he has no heart or no understanding, no knowledge of their situation, these dear devotees of the Braj. So what does he have to fight for anymore? There's still a few demons left, a little work to do, but the main impetus for Krishna's fighting was to protect the devotees of Vrindavan. <laughs> so anyway, his club is down, and uh, Balaram has gone to the south. He'll kill Romaharshan and Balwala, his competent brother, Baldev. He's not there. But he had to turn to Arjuna. You do the fighting. You kill the rest of these people. <laughs> I'll establish Dharma through you. Bhagavad Gita is not a message for Krishna encouraging Arjuna to fight, but to teach us what the goal of life is, to surrender to Krishna, to love Krishna. And here at the close of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is showing why you should love him by showing such love for Arjuna. His heart is swelling up. He's asked Arjuna, so now think about it and do what you like. But he goes on before Arjuna can respond. Like I said, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu practically is tampering with the free will of the jivas by making it next to impossible for them to avoid him by being so magnanimous, so outgoing, so generous. Namo Mahavadunaya Krishna Prema Pradayate Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya Namne Gauratishinama Rupa Goswami reasoned, must be Krishna. He's giving out love of Krishna. Nobody can do this. And so profusely, so generously, taking the highest thing, giving it to the most unqualified people, this combination of these two, that is Mahavadanaya. Such a high thing. Here Krishna, as I said, is woven through the whole religious fabric of the scripture, taken so many turns, emphasized so many different things. What? For the purpose of indirectly and directly shedding light on what scripture is really about, what it all comes down to, about not only loving him, that we heard in the ninth chapter. What did Krishna say at the close of the ninth chapter? He's talking about the importance of his devotees loving him. Now he's coming to the close, he's going to reiterate that but in a little bit of a different way. He's closed here for a moment only to go on and say, once and for all, I'm going to tell you once more what this message is about so that you can't be confused about it. It'll be very clear to you and say it very plainly. And when he says it this time, that verse, is it the same as what he says in the ninth chapter? Yes, but little different. You know the difference. The difference is that this time, his love for his devotee is swelling in his heart. More emphasis on my love for you, the loving search for the lost servant, 
We cannot live without Krishna. This is the teaching of Bhagavad Gita. But more, Krishna cannot live without us, without his devotees. He's not alone. He must have them. So forcefully, in a sense, he's speaking this final verse. By the force of his heart. So he pauses here. He asks Arjun, think about it. But then he goes on. Before Arjun can respond, Krishna doesn't want to take the chance. He might say no. He's got to, again, convince him further. Sarvaguyatamam bhuya. Shinu me paramam bacha ishtasi me dridham iti tato bhakshami tehitam. So because sarvaguyatamam bhuya, most secret of all things, most secret of all secrets, bhuya, again, I'm going to say it to you. But as I mentioned, you're going to say it a little bit different. Shinu me paramam bacha. So will you please hear this, my words, from me? Ishtasi me dridham iti I love you, he says. Arjun, I love you. Dridham, very, very strongly. Very, very dearly. I love you. And therefore, I'm speaking to you for your hitam, for your interest, for your welfare. This is what I say. Same as chapter 9. And then he changes the emphasis. Mame vaishasi satyam te pratijani priyosime. This is the difference. Mame vaishasi satyam te pratijani priyosime. Krishna says, Manmana, think of me. But bhava, madbhakto, don't think of me like Shishupal or Kamsa thought about me constantly. Think about me with devotion. Be my devotee. Think about me favorably. This is bhakti. Anukulena Krishna anushilanu. And don't be my devotee in name only, but Madhyaji, Mamnamaskuru, do something. Make sacrifice to me, worship me, Mamnamaskuru, means your whole body should be engaged, make obeisance to me, and Mamnamaskuru, Satyam Te, Patijani Priyosime. Thus you will come to me without fail, and I promise you this. So this Satyam Te means, Satyam means to take a vow, so he's promising Arjuna. That the implications, because my love for you is so strong. I'm making a promise. I'm pleading with you. Please, accept what I'm saying. Believe me. Krishna's pleading that Arjun will feel his heart and how much he loves him and be charmed by that. Vishwana Chakritaka, of course, makes the comment that Krishna's from Mathura and people from Mathura can't be trusted. They're not, they're not truthful. So Arjun may be doubtful. So Krishna wants to emphasize so how is it that people from Mathura cannot be trusted? Is it that they are all Vaishas and Vaishas say, for you I make no profit? Certainly from the Braj, they are all Vaishas. And in that sense, the Braj is part of the greater area of Mathura Mandal. And that class of people, the Vaishas, they have a license for telling lies. So in that sense, yes. But more than that also, even the big Kshatriyas of Mathura cannot be trusted. Vasudev was a great Kshatriya. Why did Kamsa desist from killing Devaki, his own sister? When he heard the oracle from the sky, the son, eighth son of Devaki will bring about your death. So he was prepared to kill her. Why did he stop? Vasudev, the great Chatriya, prince, he spoke eloquently, he spoke philosophy to Kamsa. But Kamsa did not hear that. What caused him to stop? 
Vasudev made a promise. I promise you, I'll deliver the eighth son and all the other sons. So his word was so good, it comes to thought, if this fellow promises, he'll never break his promise. But what we found out was that he broke the promise. <laughs> when the eighth son of Devaki came, he stole him away and took him to Vrindavan. <laughs> These people can't be trusted <laughs> in Mathura. What is Mathura? Gopal Tapani sings the glories of Mathura. I've quoted one verse in the commentary. Gopal Tapani says, Matthetu jagat sarvam brahmagyanena jenava tatsarabhutam yasya matura sanigadyate. This is explained the nature of Mathura. This verse from Gopal Tapani explains that the name Mathura is given to the abode of Krishna because the manifest essence of spiritual knowledge by which the entire universe is churned appears there. Pretty abstract. Hmm? Actually, Prabhupada quotes this verse elsewhere, not in his Bhagavad Gita commentary, but in the 10th canto of Bhagavatam. I believe at the end of the very first uh, chapter. Yeah, there's 69 verses in the 10th chapter. Actually, it's in the footnotes. Prabhupada has a footnote afterwards. And I believe it's there. Anyway, he speaks, he quotes this verse. He doesn't give reference where it's from, but I searched it out and found it in Gopal Tapani Upanishad. And Prabhupada says a nice thing there, explaining the nature of Mathura, that it is the place from which the spiritual activities of bhakti are enacted, as if to say, wherever this is going on, that is a dynamic sense of Mathura. Now, this verse of Gopal Tapani has been explained by the charges in that light. Matite tu jagat sarvam. Matite tu jagat sarvam. Matite. Mat means here churns, that by which the whole world is churned. Brahmagyanena, by Brahmagyan, what makes the world go round. That knowledge, Brahmagyan, is Gopal Krishna himself. He is the essence of all spiritual knowledge. So it is he who makes the world go round. And mat means manmata. Manmata means Cupid. Manmata. And Krishna's name is Manmata Manmata, Madan Gopal. In another sense, it is Cupid that makes the world go round. They say love makes the world go round, but we're referring to Cupid. It makes the mind spin. He makes the mind spin, in other words. <laughs> and Krishna is he who conquers Cupid even. Manmata Manmata. He's described like this in Bhagavatam, in the language of the gopis. Manmata Manmata. That transcendental Cupid who can take the butter of lust and clear away the impurities and bring out the ghee essence of butter by churning. And this is bhakti. So uh, charges have explained, Prabodhananda Saraswati Jiva Goswami, that this description of Mathura is a description of that place where the highest knowledge and the fullest expression of bhakti is manifest. So rather than a particular locale, it is a particular locale, at the same time it is a consciousness, a state of evolved spiritual consciousness, the most evolved spiritual consciousness. Therefore, it's significant in Tattva Sandarbha, for example, where Jiva Goswami says, obeisance to Rup Sanatan, who are glorious in Mathura, as devotees. Because you can be glorious as a devotee anywhere, and that's wonderful, and that's glorious, but if in Mathura, which is that place where everybody's a devotee, Everybody's experiencing the highest expression of knowledge and devotion, and you're famous there. You know, what kind of devotee are you? So Mathura is this kind of place, and who resides in that kind of place? Cheaters. 
people that cannot be trusted. It's known that sadhus, in the course of enlightening persons, often speak in a roundabout way. Certainly Krishna's done that in Bhagavad Gita. He's taken so many turns in instructing Arjuna, go this way, think that way, you can look at it like this, you can look at it like that. He spoke about religious practice in general. He's spoken about karma yoga, nishkam karma yoga, jnana yoga, dhyan, vaidhi bhakti, rag bhakti, so many different things. Therefore, people think, oh, there's a book of many paths. Jiva Goswami says, we shouldn't think like that. If people say, it's a book of many paths. It's a book of one path that talks about other paths for the purpose of shedding light indirectly on the highest path so that we may have some contrast. This is the whole standard of the scripture. What does Bhagavatam say? Anvayad itarataha. Directly and indirectly. We say Krishna and Radha. Krishna is the supreme truth. Radha is indirectly the supreme truth. And indirectly, and later in Bhagavatam, Krishna tells Brahma, in Chatur Shlok, Anvayad Vatireka Bhyam. So, directly and indirectly, this thing should be searched out. That's the way the scriptures speak. And we study carefully, we see so many things are talked about and advocated that don't seem to be bhakti, but they're just being spoken about in that way to emphasize bhakti indirectly by way of comparison. There's one path given in all the revealed scripture. One central theme and advocacy. So the people who speak about that, who have bhakti, people who live in the spiritual dimension of Mathura, sometimes speak in such a way as if it appears they can't be trusted. It is said sometimes that preaching and sadhant are not always the same. Once I was sitting with Dr. Kapoor years ago, OBL Kapoor, Adi Keshavadas, was initiated by Bhaktisanta Saraswati Thakur, myself and Sripad Narsingamarsh. And Narsingamarsh, this was many, many years ago, had something he wanted to voice to Dr. Kapoor and see what he would say. And it was the idea that Siddhanta and preaching may not always be the same, because Prabhupada had said some things that he himself was questioning whether this was the Siddhanta or whether this was some kind of preaching technique for a purpose to get people kind of on board or to go the next step. And uh, I think he was wise in thinking like that because, well, I'm sitting here with my dear godbrother, Vaisheshika, we used to distribute many books together, and you know quite well that we, uh, we had a way of getting people to get involved in those books sometimes, which was rather indirect. (laughs) In our minds, it was very direct, because however we talked about it, however far out on a limb we seemed to go by explaining what the book was about, whatever it sounded like to that person that was appealing to him, in our minds, it was something else. Like, oh, this is a book about... uh, where are you from, sir? <laughs> oh, I'm from uh, I'm from uh, such and such. I just uh, traveling to uh, another military base. Say he was a military person. He'd say, "Wow, great! Well, here, take this. It's a book about war, about a great battle." So what the fellow's mind went off to is one thing, and what our mind went to is another thing: the battle of life, Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> And we would drift there and then get enlivened and come back and say something in such a way that it seemed relevant to him and so forth. So this is the way of the preaching. The preacher has to have some tact. 
it means he has to use his intelligence in Krishna's service also. And people would sometimes complain, why aren't you just telling them the truth about that? Because we're using our intelligence in Krishna's service. Not everybody is ready to hear everything all at once. If you tell a child, it looks like you're standing still, but actually the earth is moving around at a great speed and a big orbit. Maybe your daughter can kind of get the idea if you explain it to her. But then if you say, and not only that is the earth moving around in a big orbit, but it's also moving around itself in a circular motion as it moves around in an orbit. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And not only that, the sun is also moving around. It It looks like it's in one place and we're moving around the sun, but the sun also has its own orbit at the same time. You know, her head will start to orbit and it's just too much. So we have to have a little tact and we have to know what we can say and what we cannot say. And this all in the course of giving the truth. So this is the way of the preacher. Krishna has also spoken like this in Bhagavad Gita and set this example. But Maharaj was articulating this whole concept and thinking about it and thinking, can I say such a thing? Preaching and Siddhanta are not always the same. And so he voiced it to Dr. Kapoor and Dr. Kapoor said, yes, that is the way of Gaudiamat. He said, as a scholar, I could not appreciate that. Then Maharaj responded, yes, I can appreciate what you're saying, but if it weren't for that policy, I wouldn't be here. And Dr. Kapoor laughed and said, me either. (laughs) So, it has some scope. And this is the way of the preachers. This is the way of the people of Mathura there, and it cannot be trusted. What does Sanjay say in Bhagavatam? He says, I was cheated by those great souls. The Dura, and he's also speaking in Dhritarashtra, Gandhari, I've been cheated by them. Sanjay was a minister and attached to the king, and so and they went off under the direction of Vidura and ended their lives in a glorious way, but he felt cheated by them. Prabhupada comments, great souls cheat others for a great cause. This is Mathura. So Arjun had reason to doubt Krishna. Maybe he's not telling the truth. So Krishna promises here. He gives a vow. I promise you, from the core of my heart, I'm saying, do this. Jiva Goswami says, with folded hands and tears in his eyes, Krishna is pleading Arjun to be my devotee. And I give you my promise, if you just do this, out of everything else I've talked about, as difficult as it is, and those things are difficult, to follow Dharma Shastra, to be a religious person, ugh, very difficult. To go to the next step, to perform one's prescribed duty according to the scriptural canon, without attachment to the fruits, Nishkam Karma Yoga, very difficult practice. And Gyan, even more difficult to sit as a contemplative. And Dhyan, all these things require some, some adhikar, some qualification. And the Bhagavad Gita, you know, that is a book describing the Adhikar for these different things. And in the course of doing so, it describes the glory, the post-liberated status of bhakti, so high, so glorious. But it also describes, as I've said many times, the generosity of bhakti, this side of bhakti, the side that we complain about but can't do without. We complain about it when bhakti enters through the Madhyamadikari, through the preacher, in whose heart she's taken shelter, into the heart of another unqualified person by the standard of dharma or jnana, vairagya, 
doesn't have any of these things. This is what Prabhupada did. Created the good fortune of all of us by coming here. We have no adhikar for this. This is the shortcut, actually. If some devotee whose heart is swelling with love for Krishna and therefore love for all living beings, it is said that the kastubamani that Krishna wears on his heart represents all jiva souls. Therefore, he tells in Bhagavatam, in third canto, what that those who do all these services to me, worship me in the temple, do puja, chant my name, and everything, but they don't love other people. They're not my devotees. I don't, I'm not interested in them. He wears them like that jewel to his heart. So our bhakti should be real. It should just be a ritual in the temple and return to the world. And we hate all those demons out there. <laughs> we want to convert them. So Krishna loves all living entities. And Krishna loves Arjuna deeply. He wants him to join him, enter Mathura. How will Arjuna get the chance to enter Mathura? Arjuna doesn't have adhikar for Raghunuga Bhakti. That is another thing. <laughs> Arjuna's adhikar is Pravati Bhakti. Krishna is saying here, in Bhagavad Gita he's described adhikar for so many disciplines, but the generosity of bhakti that he speaks about is such that it can create in one adhikar, the faith, adhikar for bhakti, and you can dismiss all those other paths, in a sense. This is what a great saint, this is what Prabhupada did. He created our good fortune. This is the shortcut. His heart overflowing with love for Krishna, and therefore for all jivas, coming to the foreign country and chanting Krishna Nam. This is our good fortune. This is how Krishna is speaking to Arjuna, heart overflowing. He's saying, in other places they said, you have only have the Adhikar to do your duty, to fight, you should do that. And he's overriding all of that here because of his heart's swelling with love for Arjuna. This is this loving search for the lost servant. He says, just be my devotee. Easy. That patram pushpam palam toyam yome bhakta prayachati. Such an easy thing. Just do that. And he has to promise him also because it is hard to believe. If you know the scripture, it's hard to believe. If you know it superficially, I should say, or even pretty well, but not deeply, like the Gaudiya Vaishnavas take us deeply within the meaning of the scripture. And it's hard to believe that just by doing this, just by worshiping Krishna, without qualifying yourself in so many other ways, that you can get the result of moksha and more. The last verse, the verse that follows this, Sarvadharman Pritajamame Kam Sharanam Braja. It sounds like, give up religion, dharma, and come to knowledge, and vairagya, puritajya, renunciation, become a monk, enter contemplative life, go back to Godhead. But Mahaprabhu rejected this understanding of that verse. As I said, Arjuna doesn't have adhikar for Raghunuga Bhakti, but Krishna speaks about it in Bhagavad Gita. He drifts towards Mathura Mandal and Braj in so many places. At the end, too, the coming sloka, Sarvadharman Pratyajama Mekam Sharanam Braja. Siddharmarsh commentary, when he hears the word Braj, when he says the word Braj, his mind goes there. He's taken there, drifting there. Arjuna is left behind, in a sense. No, Arjuna can't be left behind. Don't think like that. Krishna's heart swelling so much out of love for Arjuna, he qualifies him. The next life, Gita is spoken again at Godavari, Ramananda Sambad. This is Bhagavad Gita spoken in Chaitanya Lila. And 
Mahaprabhu taking the part of the devotee, he's the questioner, and he lets Rai Ramananda do the answering. According to Krishna, that's Kaviraj Goswami. That Rai Ramananda, there are some similarities in him that he used. Mahaprabhu himself said, Rai Ramananda is Arjun. And maybe thought of in different ways, no doubt. But these are the words of Mahaprabhu himself. There, Arjun is being tested. What did you learn in the Bhagavad Gita? <laughs> you said you would fight, and he did, of course. So, he did fight. He did what our, he did, as I said, Krishna lost a little bit of his enthusiasm for the whole thing. So Arjun had to finish the work. Kill the rest of the demons. Dharma is established. Krishna said, Sarvadhamma Pratecha Mamikam Saranam Braja, and he went to Braj. Bhagavad Gita just kind of finished out. He said, anyway, don't tell this to everybody. This isn't for everybody. I know it's a great thing, but I've told you, my heart pouring out, but that's not for everybody. It's too confidential. Hmm? It's only for devotees. And if you think, well, the Bhagavad Gita is only for devotees, then <laughs> why should we explain it to the common people? Is there no scope for them? We say, no, it, this part of the Bhagavad Gita, this very confidential knowledge, the confidential understanding of what's really being said here by those who have feeling for it and love for Krishna, deep love for Krishna. Though who are they who have love for Krishna? Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. They say the whole book of Bhagavatam is balancing on this. This is the Paribhash Sloka, the key to understanding the whole Bhagavatam. Other Vaishnava Sampradaya say, what are you talking about? Just one little sloka, one half of one pada, one line. Say the whole Bhagavatam is understood by this. Ah, that is your interpretation. What is our opinion of that? Nobody flatters Krishna like the Gaudiya Vaishnavas do. And flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody says such nice things about Krishna like the Gaudiya Vaishnavas because they love Krishna more. That's why they say those things. That's how they arrive at that conclusion. Is this not the essence of the scripture? To love Krishna? The one they say, Krishna's best. Even better than Narayan. They may be both the same in one sense, but in another sense, according to Ras Vichar, they're very different. We go on that side. Krishna is best. People want to question our interpretation. How can you question an interpretation of the scripture in which one shows all love for Krishna? This is the essence of the scripture. Flatters Krishna. Says the most wonderful things about Krishna. And Mahaprabhu? Krishna's Kaviras Goswami says, after a long explanation in second chapter of Adi Lila, how Krishna is the Supreme Godhead who Narayan is but an ounce of. And, furthermore, how Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is that same Krishna. After a lengthy explanation, he says, but anyway, if you want to say that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Mahavishnu, that's also true. But it's not very flattering. And as I say, flattery will get you everywhere. So Krishna says, yes, the Bhagavad Gita maybe we can share it with non-envious people, but this most confidential message of Bhagavad Gita, that can only be given to the devotees. And if you say, well, the confidential message of Bhagavad Gita is to become a devotee. So how can we tell devotees to become devotees? Then I say, go back and read it again. It's not about becoming a devotee, it's about becoming a particular kind of devotee. This is what Krishna is talking about. Dear most devotee, devotee of that Mathura Mandal, 
that kind. So Arjuna understood, yes, he fought, he did what Krishna wanted, but how much did he understood? That's tested in the next life to Ramananda Rai. Then he goes from Varnashram to a simplistic explanation of Sarvadharma and Prithyaja. Give up Dharma, become a monk, renunciate. Mahaprabhu says, that's not it. This illustrates, Mahaprabhu didn't accept that this was the teaching of Bhagavad Gita. This is not what Sarvadharma and Prithyaja, Mamikam Sharadam Vajra means. And Roy Ramananda went on to speak and went all the way to Radhadasyam. And the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was Radha and Krishna combined. He understood the message <laughs> very well. This is our understanding. So as I said, scripture is more subtle <laughs> than it may appear. And if we enter into it with our heart, if it speaks to our heart, our heart will speak back. And we may give some new insight into what is scripture. It's not uh, as hard and fast as it may appear when we first instruct someone you have to do it like this. You can't do it any other way. Especially in the karma marg, it's like that. Very, very particular. If anything's missing in the yagya, everything's ruined. You won't get the fruits. So this is message of Bhagavad Gita. Not only that we should love Krishna, but that Krishna loves his devotees. And there's no better example of that than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. If we hear about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's descent, then we should be embarrassed into devotion. That's one of the motives that Bhaktivinoda hasn't mentioned. <laughs> he says out of fear, out of prospect, out of duty, and out of love. But we say out of embarrassment. Krishna is so kind, so affectionate, so much going out of his way that practically, as I mentioned, he interferes with our free will. This is Krishna Sankirtan. So we shall try to understand Bhagavad Gita as Gaudiya Vaishnavas in this light. Any question? Shall I read a little from the commentary? We should try to understand Bhagavad Gita in this light, in light of Krishna's love for his devotees. And we should understand all the different twists and turns of the Bhagavad Gita in light of that also. Rupa Goswami says, Ahiri Bhagati Premna Sobhava Kutila Bhavet. In Ujbal Nilmani. So it means love moves in a crooked way, like a snake. This is also to be considered when we weave our way through the Bhagavad Gita. Love doesn't go in a straight line. Krishna is to be trusted. He begs Arjun, please trust me. And although it's true, as we mentioned, that the people of Mathura can't be trusted. Balivadibhusan says, yes, but they never cheat the people that they love. That's the idea. <laughs> Krishna can be trusted. He says, Sarvadhanam pritajamami kam saranam braja kamtum sarvapapi dhumuksha yishami masucha. And I was thinking of this verse. Krishna says, Sarvadhanam pritajja. Pritajja means completely giving up. So what? Completely giving up dharma. It lends easily to an interpretation. Give up dharma, as I said. Sarvadharma Pritya Mami come Sarvadharma and come to me and come to me means I'm Brahman and so you give up dharma means you become a sannyasi. This is the Advaita path. Become a sannyasi and get moksha. 
But I think Vishwanath Chakravartakur said, Pritya means completely. So he says, give up yoga and all other things. Then I thought, but they must give up this idea of that the verse is saying, just give up dharma and become a monastic. So I turned to Sridhar Swami's commentary on the first canon of Bhagavatam, second shloka. Dharma projita kaitavuta. So you may know it. It's cited in Chaitanya Charitamrita. He says, the word shabde projita, pra, word projita, the prefix pra means completely rejecting. So this includes the idea of liberation, moksha. So kaitava dharma is rejected and the ideal of attaining liberation is also rejected. So we can take that in Bhagavad Gita also here. Krishna is saying, Sarvadhaman Pratyaja. So the idea of moksha also, which is the ideal of the Advaitins, Mahavad Gyani, is also rejected. Love me, Krishna is saying, yes? Doesn't one have to be uh, liberated in order to actually surrender to Krishna? Because Krishna says, Surrendering to Krishna. Samasaveshu Bhuteshu Madhbhuktim Labhate Param. Madhbhakti Labhate Param. So, Bhakti Param, Parabhakti. Parabhakti is liberated. But there's two aspects of Bhakti's glory. One is her post liberated status, and as I mentioned earlier, is her generosity, where she extends herself to the non liberated not only the non-liberated, even the irreligious, she may extend herself to, and qualify them gradually by awakening knowledge within them and detachment, which are made servants of bhakti. Vasudeva bhagavati bhakti yoga prayujita janiyati ashu bhairagyam jnanam chairahitukam. So, we don't have to independently cultivate these things, and then we'll get bhakti. If we get bhakti, we're very lucky enters our heart, along with bhakti comes following the maidservants of the queen of bhakti, jnana and vairagya. And if our bhakti is genuine, jnana vairagya will start to show up in our character. And then through bhakti we qualify ourselves for parabhakti, fully transcendental, post-liberated devotional service. It means like bhakti proper. Just like we say kanishtadikari, it's kind of a real generous term. Non liberated devotee. <laughs> Prakrita Bhakta. Bhakti is um, compared to a seed as, as well, right? Mm-hmm. If, the, uh, if the soil isn't fertile, or if it's poor soil, if there's no topsoil, then how will the seed grow? If you throw a seed on a barren field, it won't grow. If you try to give bhakti to someone that doesn't have faith, then you become a fender. It was mentioned in regard to Nam Prabhu. So, if the Guru gives initiation into the chanting of the name to someone who doesn't have faith, then if he finds out about that, he's supposed to announce it to the public and denounce that person, that connection. Otherwise, he makes offense by giving. That's what the, what the offense of Gadadhar Pandit was, in his own estimation. He gave the mantra to an unqualified person. And then he felt that the power of the mantra was lost. So he went to Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu told him, yes, you have to hear the mantra again. Again he went and heard the mantra. You can't plant a seed on a barren field. Therefore, the duty of the guru is to awaken faith, to cultivate the ground. 
lets Balram's plow. He makes the fields fertile, while then the seed of bhakti can be given. So the Vajnara had here, what mantra again? His, his, whatever, his, his diksha mantra. Oh, because he gave the diksha mantra. Yeah, okay. right. Anything else? Srimad Bhagavad Gita ki jai, Esi Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupad ki jai, Bhakti Raksha Shira Deva Swami Maharaj ki jai, Kaur Bhakta Vrindi ki jai, Pranandi.